Well, hello, everybody. It is so good to be here with you today. I wish we could be in person, and I know we're getting closer to that date where we're all going to be able to meet in person, but I'm glad that we get to do this online for now. So go ahead and say hi to me in the chat. Um, I want to know you're here and you're listening and, and um, you know, just having a conversation. That's what we do here. So um, I want to know out there, with COVID and, and the quarantine and everything, all the social distancing that we've got going on, I'm really curious how many of you have tackled some sort of do-it-yourself project, some kind of DIY project. Um, so go ahead and tell me in the chat box if you have done a project. Well, I started moving during this um, safer at home quarantine when, that, when it kind of started. And so naturally I had to tackle several pandemic projects. Um, one of the things I did, I, I wanna show you, um, so hopefully there'll be a slide coming up here to show you what that looks like. Um, I couldn't stand the kitchen, I hated it. So all, I found online instructions for this peel and stick backsplash and it looked super easy. Giant stickers, slap them up there. How hard can it be? peaked on Amazon and it's affordable. So let the project begin, right? Get me started. Now, I know some of you are super handy and you can't even believe that I had to find instructions for that. Um, it took you like 20 minutes to put in a real backsplash and this is just kind of a piece of cake. But for me, it wasn't a piece of cake. First of all, what they don't tell you in the instructions is about my counters. Um, which affects the backsplash then, right? Because my counters, they do this thing that I had never noticed until I started placing these up there. Um, they're not level. They, they change heights throughout the kitchen. Um, so there's measuring and mathing involved. And speaking of math, um, I had to order that pack of tiles three different times because clearly I did not pay attention in that part in math um, where they taught us how to figure out surface area or square footage or whatever it is you use to figure out how many things you need to cover a space um, because I was convinced I was never gonna need that in real life. So here I am needing it in real life and I didn't know how to do it. So <laughs> this project cost three times more than what I had originally budgeted for. It took at least 20 times longer and I only had to rip out this little section one time. So I thought that was pretty good. It came together. I conquered it. But have you ever had a DIY project that just went really, really wrong? I don't mean slightly wrong. I mean like full on fail. Like maybe like the person who probably should have paid Ikea to put their furniture together. For some of us, it's worth the extra cost. Or this person. I'm not even sure they used Google for this one. I mean, I'm not brave enough to tackle a plumbing repair, but I'm pretty sure this isn't right. Or check this one out. Do you need a new shower head? Just use any old beer can. It works, why not? Some of you think this guy's a genius. He's not, don't do this at home. There are better ways. A lot of us love to tackle those DIY projects because it gives us a sense of accomplishment. There are some DIY projects, though, that are better left to professionals. Um, an article on HowStuffWorks.com listed the top five home projects that you should probably leave to professionals, things you should not do yourself. On that list were um, plumbing repairs, electrical repairs, asbestos removal, roofing repairs, 
And the number one home project that you should never do yourself, gas appliance repairs. Those make sense, right? You can thank me later for saving your life. Don't do those yourself. Hire a professional. There are some things that are better left to professionals. But what we're going to talk about today is something that was never meant to be left to the professionals. If you're a Jesus follower, there are most likely some things that you assume are better left off for the pastors to do. But what we're going to learn about today is something that you are meant to do, something you are meant to DIY. It's not just the professionals. And today we're in week four of our series where we've been learning how Jesus has commissioned us to be hero makers. He said it like this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is called the Great Commission. In this Great Commission, Jesus is calling those who follow him to make a shift from being a hero to becoming a hero maker. And this may come as a surprise to you, but we are not meant to be the hero of the story. Don't get me wrong, heroes are great, but we have a bigger mission. We have a bigger mission than any hero can just do to accomplish the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. We need to be hero makers. So when Jesus called us to go and make disciples, he was calling us to be hero makers. And he didn't just talk about it, but he actually modeled it. Jesus thought like a hero maker. He didn't just intend to become a lone ranger, but instead he selected people to become his disciples. And Jesus saw like a hero maker. He saw in his disciples things they didn't see in themselves. And, just, and Jesus lived as a hero maker. He didn't just teach that information, but he actually spent time with his disciples. He spent time with people and invested in them. So over the last few weeks, we've been challenging one another to be hero makers too. We want to be hero makers. To think, to see, to live like a hero maker by identifying who God has called you to make an investment of time in. Who has he called you to spend your life living and um, investing in that person to help make them a hero maker, help make them a hero. Um, we've challenged you to have an I see in you conversation with people, and we've encouraged you to spend time with them so that you can rub off on each other, right? But a hero maker doesn't stop there. Today we're going to learn what it means to bless like a hero maker. Hero makers bless people as they send them out. And we see this in the life of Jesus. At the end of his ministry on earth, after he had spent three years pouring into his disciples, living with them, investing in them, he released them into the world to be hero makers themselves. And that's really what the Great Commission is all about. Luke, the physician, the historian, he describes it in his gospel this way. He says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So notice that Luke said Jesus blessed them. It's a special kind of a blessing, and it's called commissioning. 
It's the kind of blessing that Jesus gave his disciples, and it's the kind of blessing that he wants to give to us. What I want you to understand today, commissioning is the kind of blessing that we are also called to give others. But what does that even mean, right? What does it mean to commission another person? In 1 Timothy 4.14, we see it as a, a number of times when one person or group of people blesses another through prayer and the laying on of hands. In Luke 24.50 and 51, um, we see it there as, as Luke, again, says that Jesus blessed his disciples. So you might be imagining Jesus standing in front of his disciples, kind of knighting them right? Like with this big shiny sword, Uh, but that's not what's going on here at all. Uh, There's an Old Testament scholar, Walter Brugman, and he describes this kind of blessing like this. He says, the capacity to transmit energy and power for, for life from one to another. Blessing in scripture is when someone calls on God through his Holy Spirit to transmit energy and power into another person's life. And they do that to equip them for the work that God has called them to do. Because God has called all of us to do something. All of us have a purpose. When Jesus blessed his disciples, he wasn't just trying to gather them and say goodbye and I'll see you later, right? He's not, he's not like, hey, we've had a good run in the last couple of years. Peace out. What's really happening in that moment is Jesus is commissioning his disciples to carry out his mission. He's carrying out forward and, and life-giving power. He's giving them that life-giving power to keep going and moving forward and carry that mission. Jesus paints this picture as he does this of this life-giving power that it flows through us. Um, he once said this to a crowd in Jer- Jerusalem. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And that's found in John seven thirty-eight. And Jesus says, rivers of living water. So we're not talking about ponds, right? They're not just these stagnant ponds that are contained. This blessing was never meant to be contained. We don't grab this blessing and hold on tight. It's made to move. It bursts out of us like a river. And whenever this river flows, it brings life. Nearly 600 years before Jesus actually said this, there was a prophet named Ezekiel, and he had a vision of a river that flowed from the temple in Jerusalem. This river started as a trickle, and it came right out the door, down the south steps of the temple, and kept flowing for 12 miles until it reached the sea. The farther it flowed from the temple, the more it grew. It got bigger, it got deeper, it got wider, it was impossible for anyone to cross. And everyone, everywhere it flowed, this river brought life. Ezekiel 47.9 says, Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Everything will live. So something that's fascinating, at least to me, about this vision is that as the river flows for 12 miles out that temple door, the the sea that he talks about, that sea that it reaches, is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth. It's called the Dead Sea for a reason. I mean, it's a salt wasteland. 
Barely anything can live here because the water is so salty. And it's here in this place, in the Dead Sea, that Ezekiel sees a picture of life just flourishing. Fish everywhere, fruit trees blooming, and abundance. So here's why I bring this up. Everything that Jesus blesses flourishes. Jesus had told his disciples that streams of of living water would flow from them. And at the end of his ministry, he blesses them and sends the Holy Spirit to them. And one of the most extraordinary scenes in all of scripture takes place shortly after that commissioning. In Acts 2, Peter tells um, people that Jesus has risen, right? And he tells this to a crowd in Jerusalem. You can read what he said in Acts 2, 22 through 24. But of all the places that that could have taken place, Peter was most likely standing in front of the south steps of that temple, the place of Ezekiel's vision. And as Peter preached, Acts 2, 41, it it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and there were about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people that became a river of living water, bursting forward with all the might and the current that you can imagine. But that river didn't stop flowing in Acts 2. Not only does that river continue to flow, but it continues to grow. It grows deeper and wider, bringing life everywhere that it grows, that it goes. Its rivers of living water are bursting from Jesus' followers. If you are a Jesus follower, you can know that we are part of that river of life. We get to bless and bring life. Yet many of us don't see it that way. Many of us are content to kind of stand on the side, watch from the riverbanks. And we think, well, I'll leave that blessing part to the pastors. You know, the professionals. But we're wrong. If you're a Jesus follower, you are the professional. You are called to bless others. The same Peter who received the blessing of Jesus and let that blessing flow on the south steps of the temple, he later wrote this in 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, every single one of us Jesus followers is a priest. We're a professional. You guys, you're a pro. You have people that you are called to reach and to teach. They might be people that you work with. They might be people on your sporting team or the sporting team that you coach. It could be people at your school. It could be an, an organization that you're involved with. Every Jesus follower is a priest. Every Jesus follower has people that they are called to reach and teach. God has placed you there to bless others, to be a hero maker. We're all priests and pros here because Jesus, the ultimate priest, didn't keep that blessing to himself. He commissioned his followers to carry the work of the Father like that river, the river of life. So what does this mean for us? What does it look like for you and for me as we do that thing today? How can we commission others so that the river grows? Well, it looks like parents commissioning their kids to be on a mission at school, 
No one can reach the people there like they can. Pray over them. Commission them as they go to do that. If you're a small group leader, you probably have people in your small group that are starting to be ready to be launched. They're starting to get ready to unleash their potential. Commission them to take the work of reaching and teaching people farther than you could ever do alone. Maybe you're a boss at your job and God has trusted you to lead, but your occupation isn't your primary profession. You are a priest, first and foremost. So bless your employees. Take the joy of the success with you for those that you lead. And every single one of us, all of us, what if you and I could be the friend that elevates the people around us, that lifts people up and blesses them, the friend that commissions people to do greater things? We commission people when we speak life-giving words to them, reminding them what, that they're called to be equipped to carry out God's purpose in this world. We commission people by praying over them, and sometimes we lay hands on them. Uh, we, we put our hands on them, and we, sometimes we anoint them with oil. Commissioning is a special blessing that we give to people at certain points that mark their journey. And we do this because we want it, it's a way to send them forward. Um, it's the, that life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. It marks the day. So for all of you listening today, I want to invite you to accept your commission as a hero maker. If you want to say yes to being a hero maker, I want you to let us know in the chat. A simple me in the chat will let us know that you are saying yes to being a hero maker. If we were in person, I'd probably have you come up and we would pray for you in person, right? We would lay hands on you. Maybe we would anoint you with oil. Um, but we can't do that yet. So instead, just let us know in the chat. Say, me, it's me. I, I'm signing up for this. I accept my role as a, as a hero maker. I'm saying yes. And we want you to mark this day as a unique day in your life. So make a note for yourself that this was the day you accepted the challenge. This day is special. Maybe put it on your refrigerator or your mirror. Maybe put it in your calendar so you know this day was special. Today is the day. God is calling us to pour out our lives, to invest in the lives of others. And when we say yes to being a hero maker, a river of blessing flows from us. If you want to see the dead sea around you brought to life, flow like a river, then stop leaving it to the professionals. Do it. Do it too. You are a professional. Take your place among the royal priesthood because that is who you are. Hero makers, it's time to start living out our calling. When it comes to the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus, there are people in our lives that only we can reach. And that's why it's so important that there isn't just one or two professionals in our church. We need to come to that understanding, right? There are dozens of them. You are being sent out. You are being commissioned for a greater purpose in the places where you live, where you work, where you go to have fun. So let's go out and carry the life with us wherever we go.